Hello, Girl Boss Radio listeners. This is your host, Sophia Amoruso. I don't actually talk like that, but sometimes it's fun because I talk a lot. I'm the founder and CEO of Girl Boss, girlboss.com. I wrote the book, coined the word. I'm uh, tooting my own horn. We have a great guest today. She's the founding partner of Female Founders Fund, a new Duggle. Before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about the Girl Boss Rally. The Girl Boss Rally is heading back to New York this fall, and this year it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Seriously, that's because it's our very first two-day Girl Boss Rally extravaganza in Brooklyn, and registration is officially open right now. So you'll want to swing by girlbossrally.com to reserve your spot ASAP. And this time around, we're offering new ticket tiers from $30 and up, so you can come by to shop, say hi, and attend the day that works for you, or stay the whole weekend, whatever you choose. I can't wait to see you there. And we promise it will be an incredible weekend filled with inspiring, intelligent, and daring women like Ariana Huffington and Elaine Welteroth. These women will challenge you and empower you to pursue your vision of success. That's G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S-R-A-L-L-Y.com and at Girl Boss Rally on Instagram. And if you want to join the future of Girl Boss, really your future, because Girl Boss is becoming uh, kind of a social network, it's called the Girl Boss Collective. And you can get early access now at collective.girlboss.com. Get excited, guys. Also remember, if you like what you hear in today's show, go ahead and rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We'll get to our chat with a new Duggle in just a second, but first, I'm going to talk a little bit about HoneyBook. And I remember when I was building Nasty Gal how difficult it was managing all of the paperwork, emails, and contracts while doing pretty much everything else. And I'm sure you relate if you're a small business owner. You're on your own, and that stuff eats up so many hours that could have been spent building the brand instead. And that's why today's entrepreneurs are so lucky that HoneyBook exists. And because of HoneyBook, you can spend more time doing what you love and less time doing what you don't. HoneyBook, if you don't know, is a purpose-built business management platform for creative small businesses. And they help photographers, designers, event professionals, and other solopreneurs save hundreds, if not thousands, of hours a year by adding time-saving automation into your business. HoneyBook makes it easy to streamline the client process so you never miss a thing. I've been poking around HoneyBook lately because I do a little bit of consulting on the side and I don't know, it's just too much to manage for me. And one of the best features that I've loved is the ability to drop contracts to help you get e-signatures. I don't really have to spend a bunch of time chasing people around with PDFs. And when you create a payment contract, all you have to do is fill in the blank with your rates, company name, etc., and then you simply send it to your client to e-sign and you're done. Otherwise, that would be huge time suck and out-of-pocket costs. And now with HoneyBook, it's now affordable and easy. And that's why for a limited time, Girlboss Radio listeners can get 50% off the first year of HoneyBook with promo code GIRLBOSS. HoneyBook membership includes unlimited access to all features at one low monthly price. So go to HoneyBook.com today and use promo code GIRLBOSS to get started. Again, that's HoneyBook.com, promo code GIRLBOSS. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. 
Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girl Boss Media, and this is Girl Boss Radio. Anu Duggal is an entrepreneur and venture capitalist. Anu began her tech career as co-founder of Exclusively.in, a private sale e-commerce company, and later moved on to become the CEO of Dunya, which is a dance, fitness, and media company. These days, Anu is the founding partner of Female Founders Fund, an early-stage fund investing in technology companies started by women. I think ultimately what really drives change in the venture capital industry, as in any financial asset class, is returns. And I think that what we've seen over the past four or five years from an evolution perspective is that the VC industry, I think, has has recognized that, you know, there are going to be large scalable companies that are built by women. And if you ignore that demographic, then you have you'll be potentially missing out on on great returns. Female Founders Fund has invested in some of the fastest growing female-led startups nationwide, including Eloqui, who reports say is being acquired, Way Up, Zola, Primary, Thrive Global, which is Ariana Huffington's company, and more. What we've seen as a fund, which has been really interesting, is that, you know, as as female investors often we we look at things as consumers as well, personal consumers. And so, you know, we recently invested in an astrology app. We've invested in the Dollar Shave Club for, for women. And so these are opportunities where we've invested in these founders very early, in some cases pre-launch. And often the conversations they've had with male investors have just not been as fruitful. In 2018, Anu was included in Fortune's 40 Under 40 list. She's been praised for her impact in diversifying venture capital. Additional distinctions include Business Insider's ultimate list of female startup investors and getting named to the top four venture firms investing in women. Today, she's here to share how to pitch VCs, what kind of entrepreneurs she looks out for, and how to get in touch with somebody like her. So let's get to it now. Here's my talk with Anu Duggal. Something I like to ask everybody that comes on Girl Boss Radio is, what is your first job, right? We all have a first job, um, and it could be babysitting, maybe it's washing dishes, maybe it's, yeah. you know, working in an amazing, you know, business while you're in school. Some people, you know, for some people it's younger, some people it's older. What was your first job? Um, so I think it, it depends on how you define first job. Um, my first memory of um, of working was probably a lemonade stand, um, and that was at the age of, I call it nine or ten. Um, and you know, I I used to every summer um, set one up with my little sister and. Um, I think it amused my parents because obviously it kept me busy and, and her busy. But but I would say that's kind of the earliest memory I have. In addition to that, I would say just um, during during high school, I kind of did the free internship at a consulting firm. I worked at a restaurant. Um, so really kind of tried everything um, during during those summers. And And you got an MBA at some point. Yes, I did. I went to uh, London Business School um, and got a got an MBA from there. And do you recommend that? Is that something that you think has helped you a lot in your career? I mean, you're a venture capitalist, so I imagine 
probably yes. But what do you think about higher education as a whole? And what would your who would you recommend, you know, to go to business school? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really depends on the the stage that you're in in your career and your longer term goals. I think that, you know, if you are at a point where you've been in a career and you're, you want to try something else, it's a, it's a great two-year – it can be a great two-year opportunity to explore different industries. I think for entrepreneurs, you know, the most – for me, at least, the most relevant part of it has definitely been thinking about how that network can contribute, you know, as you think about your new ventures and 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 just expand your your broader network. Um, so I, I just think it depends on on how you're how you're thinking about longer term career goals and and the stage at at which you are in your career. What are the different kinds of things that most people get into when they get an MBA? Because we've actually talked a lot about business school here. And I've been, you know, I was looking into hiring a chief of staff. And now I'm thinking maybe we just need a couple MBA interns. And, you know, there's so many different. You can go into consulting. You can go into finance. What are the types of careers that most of your peers in business school went off to do? So I would say most traditional um, MBA graduates um, lean towards either a career in finance or in consulting and, you know, somewhat more um, as a generalist. So I I think your point on, you know, bringing in a chief of staff or a COO, an MBA really provides you with, I think, a a strong background um, that's that's relevant for those types of um, opportunities. Anu told me about her career leading up to the Female Founders Fund. She shared the most impactful parts of the journey and how it led to where she is today. Sure. So I would say the most most immediate to Female Founders Fund uh, for me was co-founding an e-commerce company in India where think of it as guilt for Indian products, taking Indian retail brands, fashion, jewelry, home decor, and uh, making them accessible online for the first time outside of India. And through that experience, you know, it was really a roller coaster ride. The company, you know, we, we hired uh, at one point had 150 employees. We raised $20 million in funding from Tiger and Excel. And it was really my first experience in fundraising and seeing the disparity um, or the disconnect between the investors we were talking to and and myself as a female founder, as well as our primarily female audience. So I think for me, you know, it, it was an introduction into tech entrepreneurship. And and I think it's a very addictive career path. And second, it was fairly eye-opening in terms of, you know, I think the venture capital industry over the past, um, call it two, three years, has definitely evolved with newer funds and and um, diverse fund managers. But for me, um, at that point, it was kind of a wake-up call that this this is, you know, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a discrepancy here. And so you, was it just after that that you decided to start Female Founders Fund? Or was there something that you did that led you to Female Founders Fund? So after that, I started doing, I moved back to New York, started doing some angel investing and just got introduced to some fantastic female founders. And a lot of them had really relevant backgrounds. They'd worked at um, large tech companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook, and had great ideas that were relevant. You know, they they were really using their their insights as both professionals as well as consumers and and I think had opportunities that were very much venture scalable. But obviously if you can't get your first round of capital raised, then you know your chances of of uh, demonstrating success are, are somewhat limited. And so that really for me was the the aha moment where 
I thought that there was a real opportunity here to not just be an advisor or an investor, but to create a firm that uh, that really spoke to this market opportunity where if you are a great female founder, we wanted to be the first place that you came to when you were looking for that initial round of capital. And so you've invested in a lot of really interesting businesses. And I just heard recently Eloquiz being yes. acquired for yes. $100 million? And So we can't comment on, okay. um, Speculation. on that as of yet, um, but there was some exciting news yesterday. So Eloquy has something, is interesting. And what was the other one that has had has, has had recent activity? Maven um, Clinic? Maven just raised. Yes. That was a $27 million round yeah. um, led by Sequoia. Yeah. And so she, she's been on the podcast, uh, Kate. Oh, wonderful. Kate's yeah. awesome. Yeah. She's been on Girlboss Radio. I love what they're doing. Their product is so beautiful. I want to talk about her fund, Female Founders Fund. She's a venture capitalist, and she talked about how long she's been doing it and what she's learned so far. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you rewind five years ago, 2014, when, when I started the fund, the landscape was very different in terms of investors who who were kind of excited about this thesis. I think ultimately what really drives change in the venture capital industry, as in any financial asset class, is returns. And I think that what we've seen over the past four or five years from an evolution perspective is that the VC industry, I think, has has recognized that, you know, there are going to be large scalable companies that are built by women. And if you ignore that demographic, then you have you'll be potentially missing out on on great returns. And you see that in the case of Katrina Lakes going public with Stitch Fix. You see that with, you know, Eventbrite and some of the other um, recent large um, financings that were announced. And so what we've seen that I think has been really interesting, firstly, is that, you know, you're seeing almost all of the large venture funds based in the Valley bring on a female partner. And I think they're recognizing that, that that's a first step in terms of, demonstrating their their you know their interest in attracting this demographic i think secondly what we've seen as a fund which has been really interesting is that you know as as female investors often we we look at things as consumers as well personal consumers and so you know we recently invested in an astrology app we've invested in the dollar shave club for for women and so these are opportunities where we've invested in these founders very early in some cases pre launch and often the conversations they've had with male investors have just not been as fruitful and i think coming to us we've we've really been able to hone in on what what the need and the opportunity is. And, you know, obviously, these companies are still early. We've invested at the seed stage, but it's exciting to see their traction and their growth because they are they are speaking to customer needs that uh, that I think in in some cases, male investors may not have identified. Um, and so I think a lot of people don't understand what venture capital is. What is because there's all kinds of investing. Venture capital is one place you can put your money. And so also worth understanding, I think, is that you may have some of your money in your in your fund. I'm not sure if you do or even if that's legal, but generally funds are paid for by limited partners who are these people with a lot of them. We're all kind of working for somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's like, you have to go raise money in the same way that you're the people you invest in Absolutely. have to go raise money. What was it like raising a fund for women and getting people to 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 buy into female founders fund? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, I mean, I think um, for the first fund, it was incredibly difficult. Um, you know, it was literally just me as a first-time fund manager that I was asking people to to invest in, and you know, my ability to track deal flow, my ability to pick good deals, and to get into those deals. And so, uh, it was it was very challenging. Seven hundred meetings to raise that first fund, seventy investors. And I would say that even with our second fund that we recently closed, it, it's still challenging. I think institutional investors, um, this is just a new opportunity for them. And I think it's going to take time for them to get comfortable with the fact that you can have a portfolio that's 100% female founders and deliver great returns. No one's done that before. Quick announcement time this week. We launched one of our coolest collaborations yet, Uber Pitch. Do you have a genius business idea? I think you might. Or a venture that's already up and running but could use some funds to take it to the next level? Head to girlboss.com Uber and submit your proposal now. There's more than $200,000 in prize money at stake, not to mention invaluable mentorship connections you'll make in the process. Good luck. In case you missed it a few weeks ago, on September 28th, to be exact, we launched a super special edition podcast with our friends at Toomey called In Progress. It's a 10-episode series where the best and brightest women in the business get real about how they're actually mapping out their journeys and getting from point A to B, plus all the good, bad, and ugly that shows up along the way. Productivity hacks, self-care, relationships, career advice, boundary setting, basically everything we're faced with as we navigate the wild journey that is life. As always, there's super frank, inspiring conversations that you don't want to miss. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts because there's only 10 episodes total and you don't want to miss a single one. And what would your tips be for a woman pitching a room full of dudes? So as an entrepreneur, I think there are, there are really two or three key things that, that we emphasize um, from an advice perspective. So first, know your numbers. Know your unit economics. Understand what are the levers that can um, can really ampl- amplify growth and are, are basically kind of the building blocks for your business. Two, I would say understand your competition, understand what the competitive market land, uh, the competitive landscape looks like, because that's something that investors they, they want you to be thoughtful and to to be able to really articulate why and how you're different to what exists in the market. And and three, I would say you know often we look at companies where the founders are very early, and what excites us is is really traction. So what can you do with very limited resources that demonstrates that you're you're kind of above and beyond in terms of capable to run this particular business? So are, are you able to attract great advisors? Have you been able to um, at least get wireframes up and running? Ha- do you have a great social presence in terms of the brand? All of these things, I think, are are really important and will set you apart from from other entrepreneurs. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, if someone wants to pitch an investor, it's so it's just sometimes like, how do I get there? What do I add them on LinkedIn? Maybe I don't know anybody that knows them. So what is the path like from having an idea, putting it on paper, and then being ready to pitch an investor? Like, how would we get in touch with you? So I think that uh, just taking a step back, I think having an idea, um, you know, making progress in terms of, um, you know, if you can develop, if you have a co-founder, if you have advisors, I think as much that you can do before you go to pitch, I think is incredibly helpful and important to think about. 
as you think about the investor landscape, I would start with Twitter. I think that it's an excellent place to to get a sense of what particular investors are excited about because mm-hmm. that's where they share, you know, what they're following, what they're what they're into. So definitely start on Twitter. That's so smart. And I've never heard that before, just for the record. Like you should be like screaming that everywhere because <laughs> nobody talks about that. And it's so true. And they're all publishing on Medium and they're they don't yeah, have like Twitter's very important. Instagram's really that's, yeah, Twitter's, that's brilliant. Twitter's very important. And then and then I would say, um, you know, try to really leverage your network to to get in contact with these investors because I think LinkedIn is definitely one approach. I think that, you know, cold emailing is one approach, but I think that that intro and where it comes from is is very important. Investors get a ton of pitches on a daily basis. And so what what often distinguishes one from the other is is a warm intro through someone that they're well connected to. We have so much more with the new coming up, but first let's talk about Lola. I love Lola. Our office is stocked with Lola. We only, I mean, everyone has their individual preferences, but by and large, everybody in this office uses organic tampons. And that's what Lola is. Let's talk about tampons. They're kind of funny. We all use them. And traditional tampons are full of bleach and all kinds of stuff. And the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose all of the ingredients of this super porous thing that like sits in your body for hours and can release all kinds of gnarly stuff. So Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their products. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. And Lola now offers cleansing wipes that are safe for use anywhere on the body. And for every purchase, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. And for 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com, and enter Girlboss when you subscribe. That's right. Just for our listeners, get 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and entering code Girlboss when you subscribe. Lola, founded by women for women. Before we get back to our chat with Anu in just a moment, I want to talk about Scentbird. Scentbird is a simple and fun way to try fragrances every month. So if you don't know how it works, every month you choose a new perfume and Scentbird sends you a 30-day supply. And you can choose from any of their 450 designer brands, including Prada, Gucci, Kate Spade, and more. So there's pretty much every perfume you could ever want to try. And shipping is always free. It's a great way to skip the department store, pushy salespeople spraying stuff on you, and try new fragrances at home. I just tried Scentbird and I'm loving it. I got my sample of Tom Ford Grey Vetiver and I love it. It's the perfect amount of fragrance for the month and I love that I get to try a new one every month as well. And that's why I always use Scentbird.com. With this exclusive offer, you'll get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first perfume. That's S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com slash girlboss. And use my code girlboss for 50% off your first month. That's S-C-E-N-T-Bird.com slash girlboss. Sign on. Smell amazing. Now let's get back to our chat with a new Duggle. Anu brought on a partner to scale Female Founders Fund. She talked about how she found her partner and why they work well together. So I started the fund in 2014. Um, So I'm the founding partner. And in 
2015, as I was thinking about scaling and bringing on someone who could really help me for the next phase of, mm. of growth. I knew I wanted to bring on a partner who uh, who really came from the venture capital industry and so had that, you know, kind of more detail-oriented, process-driven approach to uh, to venture capital. And so I brought on Sutian Dong um, as, as a partner in uh, 2016. And so that's when we started working on Fund2. And, you know, I think Part of it is obviously skill set, but more important than anything is is your really how you get along. Um, I think that we have a ton of fun in the office. Um, we challenge each other, we think differently, and and it's been it's been great to to go from you know running a fund on your own to, yeah. to bringing on a partner I and, bet. and hopefully expanding that team over time. Anu talked about the importance of peer to peer mentorship for entrepreneurs and how to find a mentor. So, um, so I would say that my my point of view around mentorship is that as an entrepreneur, anything I've ever done, I've never really known what I was doing. So I didn't haven't come from an industry and said, "Oh, I'm going to start a business in this industry." You know, I opened a wine bar, co-founded this e-commerce company, and so the the thing that has been really important in terms of mentorship has been to find people who are much smarter and more experienced in those um in those particular industries and and really lean on them for advice um so you know meet them once a quarter and and use that time to go through all of the questions that you know i think as industry experts they they can really help you with um and so you know, looking at Female Founders Fund, there, there are a couple great investors, particularly in Fund 1, as well as in Fund 2, who are are both investors in the fund, limited partners in, in Female Founders Fund, um, as well as VCs on their own who, you know, once a quarter I would sit down and have lunch with and just go through all the questions that, you know, I I didn't necessarily have the answer to because I, I was not from the industry. And so I think it's it's very important to, you know, identify those people, um, be very direct in terms of your ask, and um, and really try to go out of your way to accommodate what works for them. In the case of one informal mentor, you know, once a quarter or once every six months, I would take the train to Philly and have lunch with him. And, you know, it was a one-hour lunch. I wouldn't eat. <laughs> I would take notes um, for answers to my questions, and then I would come back. And it was, you know... I think worked because I, I, you know, was able to find uh, an arrangement that worked for him and I got so much out of it. So, you know, my, my, I, I really encourage people who are looking for mentors to, you know, be direct, to have an ask and to really leverage that time um, as usefully as possible. And what do you look for in an entrepreneur and their business? Because there's the, there's the entrepreneur, there's the business, the business idea, them having a great plan. But then there's also your gut. Like, what kind of person do you want to invest in? And then how do you balance like, okay, I have a gut that this is a great idea with, you know, yeah. this, this is, you know, something that's happening in the marketplace. This is where the world is going. Sure, this person sure. has an advantage. Um, how do you how do you evaluate, I guess, an opportunity yeah. from both the yeah, from both sides? So there are a couple of lenses that we 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 look at and and perspectives that we have on this. So firstly, you know, we invest as seed, which is incredibly early. And so 
we're really investing in people. It might be a sole founder. It might be a co-founding team. But but we really want to get to know the the individual. What what's inspiring them to to go on this journey to to really build this company? Um, what unique insights do they have that position them to be successful? What experience do they have that's relevant? Do they have a track record of success in their in their careers? And are they able to attract great talent? You know, one of the things that that we found is incredibly helpful as a quality for for you know potential. Um, founders is the ability to sell. And by sell, I mean, you know, can you sell this vision in, you know, two sentences? Can you attract great talent to join your team when you don't have a lot of capital from a salary perspective? Can you attract great investors? Can you attract great advisors? Can you attract customers? That This is, you know, I think something that's, that's really important, um, particularly if you are in any kind of, you know, either consumer facing or, or B2B business. Um, then we look at the TAM, so the the total market opportunity. Is this a big enough market that um, that a startup can make a significant dent? Um, you know, can they can they scale in this market? Has there been innovation in this in this market? And um, and then finally, it's this, just the secret sauce. I would say, you know, is it something that we can't sleep at night that we're still thinking about this this opportunity? Um, and and then I would say lastly, it's timing. Um, you know, is is it the right time for disruption in in the particular industry that this founder is tackling or founding team? So th- th- I think those are the considerations that we that we have. Before she left, I asked Anu to share her most recent girl boss moment. My most recent girl boss moment probably would be a vacation I took in August. Um, so it was a ten day vacation. To France, and for me, it was a girl boss moment primarily because it was the first time that I think I've I've taken that amount of time off in in a long time, and it was really you know the culmination of a lot of hard work over over the course of the summer, and it was amazing. You know, I've lived in France, so I speak fluent French, and it was just such a pleasure to be back um, and to really be on vacation. Turn off, you know, the end of August is is somewhat dead in in the venture and tech world. So it was so stimulating. And I came back to New York so excited for the fall. So I'm very proud of of making that decision. Oh, nice. And yeah, it's like that has to be hard because there's like deals that are, you know, there's just things it's like, we're closing now. Yeah, it's like you have to talk to us. And I mean, for the really hot deals, like you kind of yeah. have to be around, but you also have a partner, which is yes. amazing. Yeah, incredibly helpful. Yeah. And one thing we're trying to crack here at Girl Boss is this concept of success. And by cracking it, I don't really know what that means because there is no answer that is universal to everybody. But we do live in a world where success meant making a lot of money, getting on the cover of, you know, a business magazine and and just continuing to make more money, right? And it's not really about that. It's mm-hmm. about so many things in our personal lives and our relationships and our families and our creativity and our work. What does success mean to you? So that's <laughs> that's a big question. I think for me, success means waking up every day and being incredibly fulfilled by my work from a professional perspective, as well as from a personal point of view, having very meaningful relationships where I feel like I'm making an impact in, in my friends and families and, and loved ones' lives. Thank you so much for joining us today on Girlboss Radio. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. 
check out our other podcasts, Jen Gotch is Okay Sometimes, and check out the Girlboss Collective at collective.girlboss.com. 